<laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. On goes Paul. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a Good evening, Wolves fans. It's little Dan here with the latest Wolves man, Wolves fancast match review and match preview show. It's a bumper episode tonight. I've got with me two gorgeous, gorgeous men with me. I mean, I tell Tom every time he comes on, he's absolutely stunning. This lad is I could eat him up. And Stu's just another level above. I mean, how are we doing, guys? Have you got that winning feeling like me? <laughs> it's like an episode of Man Oh Man. This is. <laughs> You've shown your age again. I don't even know what man old man is. Oh, for, it was it was like um, what's that, that thing? That thing we played in McGuinness. It was similar to that, but with Tarrant. Look it up. It's, it'll be on YouTube somewhere. I just laughed out of politeness. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't expect you to. I mean, you're obviously younger than me. But Dan should know what man o' man is. I mean, come on. No, sure. This this is probably one of your like sheltered upbringing TV shows that you just. Eating like pork pie sandwiches in asthma for like tea or something. It's proper sheltered upbringing with just random TV shows. We were watching shows like Bullseye and stuff like that. You were watching Man O' Man with a cigarette and a pint of bitter. Man O' Man was a British game show that aired on ITV from the 4th of May 1996 to the 7th of August 99. There you go. See, we've got to get straight onto walls. We can't keep talking about man on man all night because it's just we've, we've got 12, 14 live viewers at the moment. And I don't <laughs> want to ruin their evening by talking about man on man. Wolves uh, made themselves uh, through to the fourth round of the Carabao Cup last night with a 1 0 win over Leeds United. Um, what was your sort of thoughts on the team lineup, Stu, when it came out at sort of 6.45? Um. A bit mixed, really, because it was stronger than I expected him to go. Um, but at the same time, how, how terrible everyone else is, then you couldn't you couldn't blame him for completely changing it altogether. So I think just the midfield being so in, inexperienced was a bit of a shock. But then you saw the leads line up, and you think, okay, we've still got to win this game. Um, but as soon as that happened, I was quite excited for the game. I mean, it's always good to see Sarkic, obviously, because we talked about him last season, how, how good he was for Birmingham. Um, and obviously, the enigma that is Conor around and somehow coming in from the dark and playing well. But Joe Hodge, is, he's like the reincarnation of Jack Price. And the more I serve him, the more he reminds me of him. And it's quite scary in a way. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of excited which hasn't happened very many times this season, to be honest. For those that were sort of unaware, the uh, the starting lineup last night was uh, Mateo Sarkic in goal, a back four of Johnny Collins, Kilman and Ait Nori, a midfield three of Ruben Neves, Joe Hodge and Conor Ronan with a front three of Adama Traore, Hwangi Chan and Gonzalo Guedes. What was your thoughts on that lineup, Tom? Obviously, Stu's mentioned uh, Sarkic and obviously the, the youngsters, Hodge. 
Well, is, is Ronan, can we class Ronan as a youngster anymore? Um, what was your thoughts on those uh, three starting yesterday? You know what? I think the, the biggest thing that I note, noted is when you're coming in, you don't play regularly with how terrible and kind of inept we've been and on that kind of downward slump. It's, it's almost like a time to shine, right? So when you're seeing players that are actually putting in a proper shift, they've got a point to prove coming in and, you know, say making a difference, but something different to look at, right? When you're seeing the same team, same lineup every single week, it's just nice sometimes to have that fresh players coming into the team with a point to prove. I thought um, Ronan did well. I'm not the biggest fan of Huang, and those that know me all, uh, all know that far too well. But again, he did, you know, he looked better, but he, he set the standard quite low for me anyway. But I thought Sarkic's goal was, you know, the standout, especially during that first five, ten minute spell or whatever it was, when he was uh, like Spider-Man flying between the sticks. Um, but yeah, it was, it was positive to see some good energy levels, to be fair. But Leeds were a high-pressing team. Um, so it's good to kind of, you know, match them on that energy levels, I suppose. Uh, Hayley Page in the comments section, uh, as, as mentioned, Matteo Sarkic was amazing in goal last night. Um, Gully, in our sort of WhatsApp group before the game, was, wouldn't say adamant, but he was overly confident that uh, we were going to beat Leeds United pretty easily last night. But those first 10 minutes, Stu, Sarkic pretty much saved our bacon, didn't he? I mean, he's... <laughs> the way the way that Sar's been playing this season, and again, I'm not coming on here to slander the man, but he's obviously he's got, he's got a broken hand, shouldn't be playing, and it, it makes it even more ridiculous that Sarkic hasn't had a look in in the Premier League when he can pull out performances like this. And like Tommy just said, you come in from the cold. I mean, we saw it so many times with John Ruddy being shit every cup game and throwing them in. And then he's coming and he's straight from the off. He's pulling out wonder size. I mean, the double one where from the header and then to get back and push, punch it out. That was superb. You know, I ain't seen anything like that for a long time. But to be so switched on and on his second appearance of the season, he was superb. And we we could easily have been two down after 10 minutes. Yeah. But, yeah. but would you put him in place instead of Sire next game? As well as he played, would you would you pick him? Well, you wouldn't, would you? Well, I'd rather play someone who's got both hands and he's fully fit. <laughs> than however good Jose Sarr is, and he was my player of the season last year, however good he is, I'd rather have someone who's fully fit playing, regardless of their talent level. Well, that, that's just me. He was outstanding that sort of first 10 minutes, but as what's been seen recently, our defence weren't giving him much protection, was the time. The defence wasn't giving Sarkic much protection that opening 10 minutes, even though he was pulling out saves left, right and centre. Yeah, I mean, we definitely yeah, we definitely grew into the game. I mean, the first 10 minutes, I thought, God, here we go. It's going to be an absolute mullering. Um, but again, I mean, I don't necessarily you know, probably this, this going to four at the back and the personnel that we've got. I still, I'm still not convinced that playing four at the back with the personnel that we've got at the right at the moment is the right time or if you do the central midfielders have to sit really really deep to give them some more protection but i did think collins as we went into the game started to perform a little bit better but we were poor from pillar to post yet again by a, arguably a second stream relegation battle albeit premiership team right um but yeah it, it wasn't you know, you know we got the win in the end but we rode our luck well started you know performed like a world in those first 10 minutes so yeah 
uh, another sort of routine performance uh, in the first half by Wolves. Stu uh, kept the ball pretty well. Obviously, we've already mentioned how, how tidy uh, Joe Hodge was. I compared him to uh, Marie Kondo on on Twitter for how tidy he is. He's just an unreal little footballer, isn't he? But as soon as we got into that sort of final third, it was lacking ideas or shooting recklessly from distance, wasn't it? Yeah, he just went back to the same old normal again, didn't he? It? I think I'm just kind of settled into it now. Let's just I'm not getting mad about it anymore because there's no point. Because we know they're not good enough and we know they can't do it. And it what was more disappointing was the performance that Geddes put in last week compared to last night. And it's like head and shoulders again. You think, well, how can you go from playing that well? I know he was moved to the left hand side to accommodate Adama. Maybe that had something to do with it. But then he, Adam himself, wasn't at the levels that he was before, like pre-Brentford game. And you think, well, when you've got future coaching staff in the stands watching you, and you know you've got a manager to impress, admittedly on video, then you think they'd be doing more. And yet again, they didn't. And I thought, that out of the three of them, I thought Huang was probably the best. And that's going to say saying something. And... He still didn't really do anything, but he held the ball up better than he has done, even though we know that that's not one of his strengths. And I thought when, when he actually did run with the ball, I thought he did, he did okay. But again, it's it's just toothless over and over again. Nothing changes. And it, it wasn't a surprise, even against Leeds reserve teenagers, that we couldn't do anything. Stu, can I just jump in? Do you, do you agree with the, the keep playing the same system that we've done under Davis? I would you think... personally? Would you personally change it? Because it's obviously it's not working. The personnel we, isn't that strong. It was still going for that three pronged attack with three attackers who aren't performing week in week out. Would you change it? Oh, I, I would have had Geddes as a second striker, like he did, like he played last season, and have it as like a four-two. If you're in a four-two-three-one, have him as the one as almost like as a just off like a four ten second striker kind of role where he played well last season. I don't know the whole thing about playing Pedence in the middle. It's never worked. It never will work because he's too small. Yesterday, you looked at him, and we'll come on to it later, the, the, the assist for the goal, using his brain and not being stupid. None of the others would do that. And like Gully said on Twitter, and you think, okay, well, if we have to play Pedence there, then Geddes is in the middle. I think the problem is we've got no one up front other than Huang. And if you play Huang there, who are you going to play on the left? And then you're either playing eight Nuri there or you're playing Jim Campbell, who I know Dan's going to say he's not ready, which looking at last night, he's not ready. Mm. So I think we kind of stung by the fact that we've got no squ a squad that's completely unbalanced for any kind of real formation other than the one we've got. And we haven't got the players to even play that properly. So I I, I think it's just getting the, getting Sati out of the way and then praying that we actually spend money. Uh, and or Raul comes back and he's not a chancer like he is at the mini but in an ideal world that's what I would go for I would go for Nunes and saying that how good Traore played last night I would go for playing Nunes in his actual position with Neves or Buka or Traore and have a front three behind a main striker but we just haven't got the players and I think this is the problem, and I think obviously Steve Davis is not. Well, he's not even an EFL manager, is he? Let's be honest. So I think he's working with two arms tied behind his back, let alone anything else. Um, mm -hmm. But again, last night just showed how 
pitiful we are up front, even when we've got three international players there. It's just baffling. Mm. I can't confirm whether it's an actual word in the English dictionary, but we've got unprolific wide men in abundance. <laughs> I, just, I don't know any other way to explain them. They've all got some sort of, they've all got a bit of acceleration, a little bit of pace. Um, I, I can't really knock Wang's effort, but put them in front of goal or, or trying to get them to, to create combinations to play one of them in on goal. I mean, it was clearly evident that um, Huang and Geddes just did not want to try and com- combine between the two. There was a few efforts that uh, Geddes had from distance. And you could see Huang throwing his arms up in the air. Huang lost the ball a couple of times. Geddes is throwing his arm up in the air. You mentioned uh, Chem Campbell there, I mean, it's true. Who else sort of, apart from Nathan Fraser, can we even give a chance to in a different um, attacking ploy like Tom's tried to talk about a moment ago? That's the problem, eh? I mean, I think you, you, we probably had more from Dexter Lembikisa in, in his little cameo at the end than Samado and Johnny combined this season. And that's a position where six weeks ago, we'd think, oh, we find it right back. But I think that does go back to the system. And like I spoke about last week, how they the fullbacks are massively exposed in the way we were playing at the minute. Yeah, and the fact that you've you got two of them who are solid 7 out of 10 performances best, the vast majority of the time, who've turned into Sunday League nonsense <laughs> over the space of a month. And you think, well, that's not a coincidence. That's just who they've been completely exposed. And it happened again in the first 15, 20 minutes yesterday. You know, like, oh, why is no one picking up on this? And then it comes to something when a kid comes in, because he's got a bit of pace and can recover, to play well and, and master the system. And I don't know. The fact that we... The fact that we we're at the dregs of the uh, the squad depth and it's the kids who are performing because they haven't been tainted by the nonsense yet. And they're probably the best hope of getting out of this nonsense. And you, you could even say, well, okay, we'll put we'll play Pedence on the left and play Dexter at, at, at right forward. Why not? Nothing nothing worse could happen. Go, go full Darren Bates, Yoni. But it's it's just desperate at the minute. Ain't it? And... and it's it, it's got a wonder goal out of us going to penalties against the Leeds under twenty ones. It's because we've got wing we've got we've got wing backs, not full backs, and every team that plays is known, so they can just expose them. So sometimes I feel a little bit sorry for them because they were bought for a completely different system. So now they're playing in a four, and it's a completely different role, and they're just getting picked off week after week. And then you what you know you've got the three attackers who are just devoid of I don't know being too harsh talent or confidence. It's just not a good combo because that in that you know that's just the main you know we seem okay-ish in the centre of the pitch, but just down the flanks from defence to attack, it's just a horror show for me. Yeah, and none of, none, of the, none of the wide forwards ever track back anyway. Ever. Correct. So they're always exposed because we're playing narrow in the middle, so they're just always exposed for the overlap. Yeah. <laughs> One of the younger players who's obviously been a massive. Um massively appreciated by the fan cast in recent years was was Ryan Aitnori. nori What did you make to his performance last night, Tom, overall? He was a bit... It was it was obviously always decent going forward. I think he was a bit suspected last night a couple of times defensively, but what was your thoughts overall? I think you just summed it up, mate, and I think that's Ryan Aitnori probably in a in a nutshell. I mean, you know, he's, he's obviously a talented lad. Um, again, still young, going forward. Occasionally with his crossing and decision-making, he takes an extra touch and you think, just get the ball in. Get the ball into the in, into the box, but I think he will always be 
It's the, again, I'm going to sound like a stuck record and try to say something new, but he's a wing back. He'll be fine if you've got an extra defender to cover him, or you know, you compensate by having a defensive midfielder that will constantly tuck him because he offers you enough going forward. But it's like a very, for me, it's like a, it's almost like an Alexander Arnold with less talent. If you see what I'm trying to say in terms of he'll expose that flank, push on, but teams will know that they can just pick us off down there. And of course, we you know, I know Liverpool are having a bit of a shocker season, but. We're not anywhere near that class. So played played decent, nice going forward, but again defensively, he will for me he will be suspect, but not not due to anything for him. It's just the position that he plays and getting the best out of him in his, you know, in the formation. Yeah. I really, really wanted this episode to be positive tonight. Oh, but yeah, here is some no, no, let, let, let me finish, Tom. This, this is this is going to be me coming out really negative now. We've talked about how hey, we've got no full backs, we've only got win backs. We've got two centre-backs who aren't two centre-backs in a two. A goalie will We've got sort of... Ruben Neves' shooting last night was borderline atrocious. He was shooting uh, wide from distance. The one free kick he had in the first half was was pitiful. Didn't even test uh, Rob Blaise. Uh, Conor Ronan's corners were mildly decent compared to some of the corners we've seen in the last three or four years under Matinho. Um, but let's just spend a couple of minutes on on, on Joe Arge. Just how good was Joe Arge last night? Sure, he was class. And uh, you, we've seen kind of glimpses of it in his his little appearances so far. And I couldn't, like I said earlier, I couldn't put my finger on what who reminded me of. And he do, he is. He reminds me of of the Salopian Peeler. And he's other than the beard. If you put a beard on him, I mean, we we can do this later and superimpose it. He really is. He play. He's playing like Jack Price used to, especially in League One. He's he's he looks about twenty six years old, in, in in the way that he holds himself, the way that he, he moves about the pitch. I, I mean, I I don't know why. Well, we, he's obviously not Man City level because that's a different stratosphere altogether. But for us to pick him up like this, I mean, fair play to Sellers and and that part of his his role that he's actually good at. Um, for identifying these players and, and bringing them into the academy because he's someone who, has he been here what, a year and a half, something like that? I know he had a bit of an injury as well. But to break through in the, in the last few weeks and you wouldn't be against him playing against Arsenal in a couple of days. I mean, he's probably did more yesterday. I mean, I know we've, we've said about Nunes and how he's not played in his actual position. Again, that's not his fault. Um but Joe Hodge played in his position. He was probably man of the match for me yesterday. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not an outrageous statement for me. Um, Joe Hodge being man of the match. Uh, what was your thoughts on on Joe Hodge, uh, Tom? It, for me, as I said earlier, he was so tidy. He was pretty much the 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 main pivot of the midfield three. He allowed Neves to get further forward. There was. I'm sure there was one opportunity where Neves was like in the penalty near the penalty spot on one cross, and that just showed how um, Joe Hodge was pretty much dictating the tempo from a from a deeper position. Yeah, impressed, refreshing, refreshing to see someone young come in a little bit different. Even my probably like Moutinho ten years ago, you know, in his maybe in his prime and dictating play and controlling the ball. No, probably getting a bit a little bit overexcited there, <laughs> but it's just not. And again, I think he takes the pressure off Neves to constantly be the only person maybe with a little bit of class that can dictate play and make things happen for us 
or, or put that ball in. It, it, you know, as you say, if you've got someone and good players as well, know when they're, they're playing against, you know, with someone that's of a certain standard. So it frees you up because you trust them. So you can give them the ball. You know, they're not going to lose it under pressure. So instantly, that's why the, that central midfield is so pivotal. Those players that you think do very little and the passes seem so simple, but that's why they're so important to teams because everything when all the attacking players will just move based on them because you know they won't lose the ball. So then people can start making making runs. But yeah, okay, it been refreshing to see. And I think it's probably, we've had very few, very few positives as being a Wolves fan this season, maybe if any. So it's nice to see a goalkeeper pull off some more this says. And it's nice to see a young lad who seems to take a lot of pride wearing the shirt and actually put in a good, you know, dictating performance in the centre of the park for sure. We'll talk a little bit more in, in Arsenal further along the episode, but towards the end of the game last night, it did seem like it was petering out to a, um, a penalty shootout. You look towards the bench and we had uh, Jose Sarr, uh, Bubakar Troy, Daniel Pedence, uh, Yerson Mosquera, Toti, Sean Martino, Hugo Breno, Chem Campbell and Dexter Lembekisa. Um It was Podence and... Um, Bubakar Traore, that won us the game tonight. Uh, it was a nice sort of bit of high pressure by Nathan Collins. He lost it and then managed to retrieve it, uh, laid in Podence, who cut it back for uh, Bubakar Traore. I saw a lot of people question Joel Robles's footwork and positioning, but what was your thoughts on the goal, Stu? Because for me, I just felt Bubakar Traore gave him the eyes and it was just a solid finish. Yeah, and he was beaten for pace as well. You ain't you. I think the fact that he, he kind of flailed around, like you know, you know them things that you get sort of garages, them inflatable like men. He, he was like one of them, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think that that kind of adds to that theory that Robles was at fault. But you ain't stopping that. You got no chance. I mean, he's, he's he's as clean as anything on on the run with pace. He's just been beaten. Yeah. Simple as that, and it, it's. When was the last time we? Well, I was going to say the last time we scored. I mean, scoring a goal at the South Bank end anyway is a, is a minor miracle. But when's the last time we scored a goal like that through a cutback that's been blasted with power? It's been a long. Probably long time. Jimenez on to West Ham. Hmm. Yeah. Which feels a lifetime ago. God, it's so sad. All those those memories. <laughs> <laughs> what was your thoughts on the goal, Tom? Uh, nice work by Powers in the lead up. Yeah, I, I thought it might crack you. I, I always sort of think when the ball's coming across you from that side to actually get the control on it and the power, it's one of those that for me, or either goes into Rosette or seems to fly in the back of the net and he hits it like an absolute beauty. And, it, you know, it's just a great goal. He went with like an absolute rocket and the control of the shot is a hard technique to do. So, again, it was just nice to see in front of the South Bank a quality finish. You know, eighty what eighty six minute around there to, to to win the game as well. So, yeah, all good. It as I said, it it did feel like it was petering out to a to a penalty shootout. But overall, the game for me didn't really have a a lot of structure. It did feel quite end to end at times. Obviously, Leeds had a good few chances out on the on the counter attack. We got into a few good areas, but sort of uh, like like I said, just classically petered out. But from how I felt at the time, it did. They did feel a bit of limbs when that goal went in, Stu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't celebrated that much anyway because of the, the uh, when I lost my voice a few weeks ago, ranting at Leicester. Um, but I can control myself. I mean, considering there was no one around me anyway, because obviously there was a few empty seats yesterday. But 
Yeah, it was a it was a full on limbs moment, and like I said, you, we we haven't had that many of that kind of goal for a long time, and the fact that you knew it, it couldn't be ruled out by VAR because it wasn't there, I think that could have added to it as well. Um, True, but yeah, it was it was just it was one of them moments as well, and I think that the fact that how mental he went with the bench as well, and we didn't have his leading the charge in in the uh, in the massive jackets. I think it, it was like one of those unifying moments, and I, d- I don't know what it was because it. You're right; it was a bit of a scrappy nonsense game. It reminded me of like it was a bit retro in a way, like the old old Championship Tuesday night games where no one really wants to be there, but you kind of have to out of the fact that you've paid for your ticket anyway, and why not? And it's all a bit shit. Nothing happens. It's all scrappy. There's balls and going over the top, and there's chances being blasted wide. And then you get a moment of magic like that and it all makes it worth it. And then you stay up until midnight watching highlights on ITV4. And you think, well, yeah, it's, it's something really nice and pleasant about, it, about how bad it was. But it is, you are right. I mean, it's full on limbs and it's fully justified as well. I don't care if it's a Carling Cup. And I, Carling Cup. I don't care if it's a Carabao Cup and I don't care that it's against Leeds under 21 reserves. Couldn't give a fuck. The fact that they were, they were singing Leeds are falling apart again and the fact that they're their media manager was moaning about it on Twitter last night. You think you've been rattled in a Carabao Cup game by a strike like that? Fucking superb. Frustratingly tonight, we're, we are recording this before the fourth round of the, the Carabao Cup is being drawn. Wolves are number 15 in the draw. There's some big teams that actually went out as well. Last night, obviously, um, Chelsea got beat by Man City. Uh, Liverpool only just uh, struggled through against uh, Derby. Man United, Aston Villa is being played, I believe, as we speak. Uh, there's some big teams still left in there. Obviously, Newcastle. Um, but it's it's pretty much wide open. If we can get a nice, tidy draw in the fourth round, you're in the quarters from there. Who, who would you prefer to have, Tom, looking at that list there? Well, what a question, because do I realistically think... You know what, because they've got the new manager coming in, when the, the actual tyres will be played, potentially there might be some optimism. I sound like right, negative, right? But there might be some optimism on the horizon. So let, I would say let's just try to get some wins wherever we can. So let's just go as... E- For me, mate, let's just get through. So go as easy as possible. Um, so what do you reckon, Lincoln City? Because, look, I mean, but when we were in the, you know, all those days of being in the first division and the championship, you know, you'd want the glory, you know, Manchester City and Liverpool. But I think let's just try and get some like, points, that, at whatever we can in the premiership and try and get some momentum in the cup um, and try, try and use that. It doesn't always work, but it's nice to give us a little bit of positivity. So the further we can, and, you know, and you never know if we can end up going to Wembley, I mean, that would just be superb again. So, I, mate, I'm going to pick Lincoln City if I could. But anyone, anyone I'd like, you know, Charlton, Gillingham, Lincoln from that list, even MK Dons, that'd be good. You know, when we f- filled out the away end, that was uh, good memories as well. So, um, yeah, let's try and keep it as simple as possible for me. There has been a lot of clamour on social media, Stu, for another 10K to MK. I'm not, whether, not sure whether that's even feasible on a midweek Carabao Cup game, but who's your sort of preference out of that list there? Well, as usual with Cup ties, you look, I look down the list at what places I've never been before. Lincoln is the only one of these that I, I've never been to before. So Lincoln away, for selfish reasons, to tick it off would be great. But obviously that never happens because I'm never that lucky. Um, Where is so- Lincoln? It's by uh, like Grimsby Way, 
Lincolnshire. Yeah. Well, I might learn something there. Um, strangely enough, um, Sarkic was born in Grimsby because I, when I watched his interview, um, and I thought, well, his, his accent's pretty good considering he's from like Serbia. And I don't know that now he was born. <laughs> he, he was born in Grimsby. He's just through there through parents. Um, but yeah, if we if it's not going to be Lincoln away, then anyone other than Man City, Newcastle, Man United, anyone else at home. I'm not sure how you've avoided not saying Brighton there, Stu. Yeah, but well, you don't know what's what they're going to be like, do you? Brighton's Brighton's Brighton, and it's cup, so it's different rules. Um, <laughs> but as long as we avoid them, okay, and Brighton, um, get someone like so, even like Southampton at home, Leicester at home, you kind of fancy that, wouldn't you? Even Burnley at home, Bournemouth at home, you'd fancy your chances against any of them. As long as it's not, I mean, Bournemouth away, Southampton away, Newcastle away on a Tuesday or Wednesday night over Christmas would be fucking awful. Um, so hopefully it's not any of them. But yeah, on with time. I mean, I, just for a, a run in this cup, especially, which we don't seem to do very often. Um, but like you said, you win the next you win the next game, you're in the quarterfinals, and then you're one step away from a two-legged semi. So why not? Just go free. I'd prefer someone like uh, Gillingham at home. We've got a good record against Gillingham. Um, but I want to ask you both, I'm going to put you both on the spot here and I'd like to know what the people who are joining us live think in the comments section. Wolves win the League Cup and get relegated. Would you take it? Yep, 100%. No. Tom? No way. Do you want to tell you why? Yeah. I've got a whole season of watching Championship. I know you say Championship, but Championship football compared to the Premiership and the players that we can see live and where we've come from, from seventh and pushing, you know, having those fantasies of getting into the top six and getting into Europe and seeing the superstars down Wolverhampton to then have a full 12 months of watching Championship football going to these places where I don't know the players, don't really know the teams. I'm not really that interested in them personally. No, mate. To, to 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 win the Carabao Cup for one a good one day out for twelve months, no way. But tell me why you want that that day and that day of glory over accepting a relegation, Stu. I just want to be happy for once. <laughs> <laughs> just just to win just to win something. Just just once it wouldn't matter. Um, <laughs> but. I mean, I don't care who we play anyway. I mean, I, I wouldn't be going to any Carabao Cup games in, on, a, on a November night, would I, if I, if I was worried about the opposition? Um, no, it don't bother me what, what league we're in, really. And I know I've said about being relegated would be a dis- disgrace compared to like what Tommy just said, where we came, where we were even last year and the year before. But it's silverware, and we haven't got any silverware since 1980 before we were even, we were even born. So... You got to think as well. I mean, the Carabao Cup. I mean, if you, I would still disagree for the FA Cup, but I'd still be a little bit more with you. But the Carabao Cup for relegation. Yeah, but if you if you tell, if you discount that, then we have to go back to 1960 till we last time we've won anything. Even if we got win the Carabao Cup, is it really? I mean, it's nice, but it's not. It's not the epitome of silverware. Like you get uh, Europa League though. <laughs> If you're one of the live viewers, drop drop a comment in the in the comment section. Would you take winning the League Cup 
for a relegation. Andrew Knight says, no chance. We have to stay up in the Premier League. Andrew Knight, I'm going to come back to your other comment later on in the show if you stick with us. Uh, obviously, this Saturday, Wolves are at home to Arsenal, 7.45 on Sky Sports main event. Uh, game week 16 of the Premier League. Man City start the weekend off at 12.30 at home to Brentford. Three, three o'clock is Bournemouth versus Everton, Liverpool versus Southampton, Forest versus Crystal Palace, Tottenham versus Leeds and West Ham versus Leicester. Uh, 5.30, Newcastle versus Chelsea. Out of those um, Saturday fixtures, uh, where's your money on for a guaranteed win, Stu? Oh, guaranteed win. Uh, well, discounting Man City, obviously. Um I don't know, you know, because even even Southampton at Liverpool, where you'd normally think, oh, Southampton will get battered there. New manager bounced, will that count? Um, I wouldn't put it beyond the realms of possibility for Leeds to beat Spurs, you know? No way. There is a bit of bumbling the strife, isn't there, at Tottenham at the moment? This is what I mean, and Leeds are, Leeds are so Leedsy, and Spurs are so Spursy that you... I wouldn't say it's nailed on by any stretch of the imagination, but looking at the rest of my, I don't see anything there that says, oh, that's like five to one on, other than obviously Man City. But there's just something about Spurs, like you said, at the minute that I wouldn't be surprised if Leeds go there and do them. It's like you said, Leeds, I've got it in them. Obviously, they, they won two, one away at Liverpool the, the other weekend. Uh, Nottingham Forest at home to Crystal Palace could literally could go either way. I don't think there's any sort of bankers, is there really, apart from that Man City-Brentford game. But Brentford are an awkward team to play against at times. Obviously, they beat us 2-0 at home last season, which sort of came out of the blue at the time. Um, Newcastle versus Chelsea. Tom, where's your money there on Saturday 5.30? That's a good game. Again, with Chelsea, that'll be a really good game. Good instinct. I'd go. I'd go. I think two 0 Newcastle. If I'm honest, just with them, I'd, I'd, I'd go with the momentum and where Newcastle are at. You know, you look at the players and the money that Chelsea have spent, and you know, arguably where they're at. But I mean, he started really well, didn't he, on his unbeaten run, and they've kind of petered off recently. And you know, Chelsea. It depends if the players are on side. Is the you know the, the kind of the good instinct that you have um, with Chelsea as a football club? But I think. Going to Newcastle with the atmosphere that they create, with the the momentum that they've got, with how well they're playing, and it pains me to say, but I I put Newcastle down as favourites for that one. Yeah, oh, you can't argue with it, can you? Especially when something's happened. Something's happened at Chelsea already. That I mean, they've already been booed off. Will he even last the season? And again, you wouldn't put it past them to get rid of him and bring someone else in, even though it's it's new ownership now. But again, credit where it's due, Eddie Howe's done an amazing job there, annoyingly so. Um, but I just had a look at that. Leeds, Leeds are 15-4 to four to beat Spurs. That's it, it, that's tempting. That's with Bet365. Um, that's tempting me. Won't What's the odds on Newcastle to beat Chelsea, Stu? Just uh, curiously. Uh, tw- 27 to 20, which I've never seen before in my life. Yeah, I they should just break down everything to something to one. 3.75 to one. Just everything needs to be to one, just to stop being awkward. 
Obviously, Wolves, uh, the 7.45 kickoff on Sky Sports. Um, what's your sort of feelings going into that game, Tom? What sort of changes would you make on the back of the uh, the team that played last night? <laughs> Part the bus. Um, no, in all seriousness, you know what? what That's such a good question. What changes would I make on the back of that? I think going with... A th- it, depends, it depends how you look at the game because we're playing those three attackers and it's not working and honestly if you play that especially our Arsenal with their fullbacks get the overload with Zinchenko in the middle and create the extra man they're going to have control of the midfield they're better players and they've got that system completely well drilled so the middle of the pitch Arsenal will control and if we play with three attackers or three people that aren't tracking back, it could be an absolute horror show. So for me, I don't want to say five at the back, because I don't know what the five at the back arguably would be, but if you're going to go four at the back, I personally, I would just play defensive, try and, try and make the gap between the defence and the midfield as narrow as possible, try and get at least three narrow central midfielders, almost give them the width and say, if you want to put a ball into the box, We've got two six-foot-twoers. We'll clear it, or hopefully clear it. And I think that's that's arguably going to get be our best bet. If we try and play attacking football against Arsenal, try and control the midfield with the ball, they're going to pick us off, mate, 100%. Do you agree with that, Stu? Obviously, we've um, been fawning over Joe Hodge for the last just over half an hour. Coming up against Thomas Partey, uh, Granite Xhaka and Martin Odegaard, do you, would, would you risk Joe Hodge again? I would. I'd, I'd go a three-man midfield of Neves, Hodge and Bubicotro, all right? Agreed, what if, yeah. What if... No? Matthias Nunes is not... In, he's, he's injured still, and it, even if he's not injured, he's coming back from injury. Why would you risk him for this for one game where you're probably going to lose anyway? Matinho has been nowhere near his best at all, even though he's been better, he's been better off the bench, weirdly enough, which is what his well should have been last year anyway. Um, so why not? I mean, the kid played well yesterday. If you if you play well, keep your shirt. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. Same, and uh, I'll say exactly the same thing. And I put Limbic Dexter in it right back as well. Fuck it, why not? We've got a bit of pace. We've got the problem solved there of the uh, the overload because we can't defend properly anymore. Why not? If you got them three in midfield as some kind of barrier, you got pace at wing uh, uh, fullbacks. Then you've got, you've got the eternal problem up front, but it doesn't really matter because we're not going to get much of the ball up there anyway. So, I mean, I'd, I'd even say, again, keep players in form. I mean, that assist from Pedence playing on the right-hand side. So play Pedence, bang, and then, I don't know, I'd, that's the problem. Who do, you, who do you put on the left? Maybe play Aint Nuri on the left, then you got cover for, for Bueno. Maybe. I mean, there's no one who can come in here and say that that's a bad idea. We've got we've got to match them for energy. You know the, the the way that Arsenal pressed with their front three with Jesus. I know he hasn't scored in about nine games or something like that. Yeah, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and Odegaard as well. And the way they press, we're not going to be comfortable on the ball, and they're going to be coming at us hammer and tongue. They've got Partey who just mops everything up. Xhaka box to box now. So we it's got the it's got the hallmarks of an absolute mullet. And even though my best friend's diehard Arsenal and he's coming undercover in the uh, in the Billy Light stand with me, so that'll that'll be fun for me to be sitting next to him. But I think going back to what Stu says, young players, high energy, 
try to keep the lines as narrow as possible, pack out the central midfield and try and get any, we've got to get people tracking back because when they overload in the middle and spray it out, spray it out to their front three, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be in deep doo-doo. You uh, mentioned Dexter Lambakisa a few minutes ago, Stu. Obviously, Johnny looked like he pulled up again towards the, the end of the match last night. Nelson Samado was suspended after his red card against Brian. So, it's, it's not really outrageous for him to, to start on Saturday night. Hopefully, if he does, he, um, he puts in another solid performance because he was more than impressive during his little cameo last night. Yeah, and I, and I think there's... Considering the vitriol against Samado the, the, last week, I don't think there's any point bringing him back at the minute. So I think it was only a one-game ban anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, but why would you, when you need everyone on side, and you saw the reaction of everyone when he, one of his first, the first touch was beating someone and knocking it down the line. And you think, well, where's that been? Where's that been from our, our full-backs all season on, on the right-hand side? So it's it's Steve Davis's last game. Is he going to get a chance on the upper team? Probably not. So why why the fuck not just give him a go? If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But well, at least you've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you've tried something different, and we might do something. But doing the same thing over and over again, like the definition of madness stuff. Why, why not? You did mention obviously it being Steve Davis's last game on Saturday. Uh, a few members of Julian Lopetegui's uh, backroom staff were at Molyneux last night for the 1-0 win. I expect uh, Lopetegui to be in attendance on Saturday. Apparently, he's due to arrive in the country tomorrow. So, like you just said, we need to have Molyneux rocking for, for Steve Davis and to show Lopetegui what we're all about. Um, just to sort of end the show, there's a few World Cup squads that got names today uh, for Portugal. Jose Sarr, uh, Ruben Neves and uh, Matias Nunes were called up for the for their uh, nation today, uh, Martini are missing out. Uh, Samada are missing out. Uh, Daniel Powden's missing out. Um, Gonzalo Guedes will be uh, pretty good not to make that squad. But you look at their their six uh, forwards in that list there: Andre Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, Gonzalo Ramos, João Felix, Rafael Leal, and Ricardo Horta. He was lucky to even be mentioned in in that squad, wasn't he, um, Stu? I mean, you, you look at other than Ronaldo. Obviously, Ronaldo is not going to be dropped, is he? Um, but you look at that, and again, Matinho, Samedo, Pedence, and Guedes have been fucking shit. So they don't deserve to be called up for the World Cup squad, do they? It's it's simple, simple logic that you go you put players in on form. And I know when it, when he came out and said that obviously players who've been with him a long time, it, it, it's a shame. But you don't accommodate players who are not fit or haven't been playing football and if they've been playing football and they're out of form they don't go I know we're going to come on to the England squad in a minute and that's the complete opposite going on there but it makes common sense for the players who have not been included to not be included You'll be uh, supporting Portugal Tom when our players are playing in the World Cup well, I would, but I didn't get my uh, my missus got them in the sweepstakes, so it's it's bittersweet for me. Um, so I can't support them too much because I don't want to take the pot. But yeah, I mean, you look, it's, it's not as a Wolves fan when you look back over the years after you know the Division One, uh, you know the Championship football. Look, we've got we've got players at a World Cup. 
you know so that's nice to see to actually be able to tune you know tune in and actually see them will they start i don't know um but yeah if we get to see a glimpse of them mate we're gonna we're gonna support we're gonna support them and, and lo and behold they'll probably pull off uh you know, Nunes will probably pull off some worldy performances because they'll probably be playing in the right position. Mildly pleasing that Lopetegui's still got a, quite a big squad to work with, Stu, while the, the World Cups are occurring. Yeah, and I think that's... Like, um, I mean, Judah said this earlier on today, that it's it's a God... This World Cup's a, this World Cup's a godsend for us because it is effectively just like any normal pre-season where... You've got the players who got to the latter stages of a, a Euros or a World Cup are never there anyway, are they? They always come later on. So he's got the vast majority of the squad to, to sort out and to drill his ideas into. And then the ones who come back are obviously intelligent enough to kind of adapt anyway. So uh, it's a, it, is it a blessing in disguise? Probably. Um, but... Uh, it's one of the things I'm just glad it's done now and that we got something to look forward to at last. Um, but them three, not them three, four, not, not being included is a massive bonus for us, really, as well. Let's see, there's only sort of um, Huang Gu, who else is going to the World Cup. Looking at that England squad on the right there on the screen, obviously, for the audio listeners, uh, three England goalkeepers Jordan Pickford, Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope, Aaron Ramsdale. Defenders, John Stones, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Eric Dyer, Connor Cody, Ben White, Luke Shaw, Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire and Kieran Trippier. Gareth Southgate has numerous times um, said that he, he would pick players based on form. So talk me through Harry Maguire's inclusion, Tom. <laughs> I what a leading question. I do think he picked well. You know, I, I saw the squad come out and I do think he picks on form, but I think there's some exceptions to that particular rule with whether it's behind the scenes or the leadership qualities that they show because Harry Maguire is, you know, and arguably you could say he's Connor Cody at the standard that's needed to actually make an impact at that World Cup. But they must do stuff or the leadership or the fact that they've been there and done it. But... For me, it could almost take an alarm to slaughter. If you start having Maguire and he makes a mistake at an England World Cup, that could be career done and dusted and you know and never come back from. But arguably it'll be interesting. What I'm what I'm quite keen to see is does he play the same team from like the women did at the Euros? Do they play the same team from the get-go? That's the eleven. We're gonna keep the continuity, build up those relationships through hopefully the easier group, then to get to the knockout stages. So I'd be really, really, really excited to see actually what is the starting eleven. Because again, Ben White at Arsenal has had a really, really good season. But then John Stones doesn't play that regularly. So arguably you're looking at the centre half. I'm thinking, well, who is in good form? Carl Walker's been injured. Harry Maguire is Harry Maguire. Connor Cody isn't at that particular level. So you look at it, you think Eric Dyer maybe has been okay. Ben White's probably the best one out of the lot that's in form. So who does he actually start? And he's Harry Maguire more of a backup and more off the pitch, arguably. That's the only reasoning I can think of for him being included based on form. I think one of your close associates, uh, Majestic T, um, has been sending a lot of messages in your direction tonight. Based on that logic, Tom, why was Tommy Abraham not chosen? Southgate says he's, he's, it was because his recent form fell off. Well, if I look at the forwards, thank you for the question, Majestic T. 
Um, but if I looked at the forwards that are there, I would take Cullen Wilson. I, 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 I think what he's, you know, argue, I know he's got a little bit, he's a little bit injury prone, but there's enough backup there. So for me, you go between Tammy Abraham and Rashford, but I think Rashford arguably gives you a little bit more on the left. So he can play central and he can play on the left. So my logic would be Tammy Abraham would be more of a central fixed striker where we've got Harry Kane, he's going to play there, but Rashford could play through the middle and on the left would be my my reasoning. And I would still go for Rashford over Abraham personally. Callum Wilson got the nod, Stu, over uh, Tammy Abraham and, and Ivan Tony. Do you think Sergei got that right? Yeah. It, well, again, as long as he stays fit, he's got it right. Because if he oh. if you go there and he, he's knackered within two days, then it's a massive gamble that's failed <laughs> straight off. Um, but again, Harry Kane's going to play every minute of every game, eh? so there's no... You're looking effectively. I mean, the fact that Raheem Sterling is in this squad is an absolute farce. There's no his form is. He's talking about form dropping off for Abraham. The fact that the Fikayo Tamori is not even in the squad. Yeah, he he won Serie A last year, and and what he had one bad game at Chelsea at the Bridge a few few weeks ago, and that means he can't be in the England squad. It's fucking stupid, and everything that everything that Southgate said, he's contradicted himself. By his favourites. Who would, who would and, you drop out then for tomorrow, Stu? Who, who would you drop out of that defensive? Would you, would you, would you not take player? Harry Maguire? Would no, you? I wouldn't have him anywhere near the squad at all. He's been he's been shit for three years, other than for half half of the Euros for England. I don't understand. I mean, you could you could even argue that uh, Tarkovsky should be in there above Maguire. The fact that him and Cody have had that partnership all season long. It's just baffling beyond belief, and he's he's just fell into the trap of every other England manager, and he's done exactly what he said he wouldn't do, and this is probably going to be his last one. I mean, you'd think so because we ain't winning nothing with with that defensive wise. That is shocking. You you put that graphic up again, Dan. That defensive lineup is awful, and you look at yeah, that is yeah. Um, Maguire was getting to that too. Oh, <laughs> well, he wouldn't. And you you look at it. I mean, form wise, Trippier should be playing right back. There shouldn't be any any doubt about that. Yeah. Even though Ben White's played well at right back for Arsenal, and you are like what you said. Every time you look at it, the back four, it should really be on form. Trippier, Ben White, probably Eric Dyer, even though he dropped a bullet last week. And then you're looking at left back, and who who plays there? And it's probably Luke Shaw. And I know he. he is in and out of form for England and not great for United either. But you are scraping the barrel there and there's no real need to do it. And the fact that Calvin Phillips has managed to wiggle his way in after playing, what, less than half hour of football all season long. Conor Gallagher's been pretty shit for Chelsea. Yeah, he's playing for Chelsea, so he gets in. It's just bollocks, mate. You think Calvin Phillips made it, though, because he's conscious of how bad the defence is? So he'll do the voice, if he can, do the voice Phillips combo with really two deep midfielders. Yeah, I know, I know why he's done it, but it's what we said about Saar and Sarkic earlier. You don't play unfit players because they're never the... If they're unfit, they're not going to be the players that you think they are. It just doesn't make any it sense. Is. We've We've gone over this so many times. The whole... Oh, Touching, touching the, the the Sun newspaper. With, oh, let's heal David Beckham and Rooney, and it, we've done it for the best part of twenty years of taking unfit, broken players, and they're always shit because they're not fit. It doesn't make any sense. 
how have how has the Premier League got the the bundles of money that it has, and we're having to rely on an, a, a Premier League defensive midfielder who's got one Premier League uh, minute of appearance this season? <laughs> yeah. It's it's mind boggling. Calvin Phillips has one more Premier League minute appearance than all of us three this season. One <laughs> minute. It's how we got to this point. Have we not got any other defensive midfielders coming through the ranks? Who who plays that sort of role for the under twenty ones in England? Well, that's what, that's the problem. You're asking the question, and you can't even think off the top of your head who it would be. When you what you think, well, would you rather have a fit Jordan Henderson playing there, or would you have a broken Calvin Phillips? Do you think, though, with Calvin Phillips, I'm not I'm just playing devil's advocate, I'm not trying to argue the toss of anything, but the group stage is what you look at him, Iran, was it Iran, Wales, USA, you know, we should yep. be controlling those games, we should be on top. Can't he, with the slight break that he's got, he must have spoke to Pep about where he's at in his recovery. Can't he get at least 20, 25 minutes work with the players? And if he gets some minutes with that, then he might be able to come the knockout stages, have enough fitness to go in to perform. Well, in theory, but we've done this before. We did this with Rooney last a few years ago, and he does. He just doesn't work because they've had no, the, He might be he might be physically fit, but he's not going to have no match sharpness whatsoever. Hmm. I'm going to try and call the episode to a halt in a few moments, but I'm just going to ask you both. The World Cup kicks off in a couple of weeks. Where's your money on to win the tournament, Tom? And can I have my England top back when you're done with it? <laughs> Always buy a size too small, mate. It's a secret. Uh, Not when you've got a belly like this, you know. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. You heard, I'm going to lock in. Oh, I don't know. I always think defences do win World Cups, but i got a feeling this year, Argentina will win it. I'm going to go Argentina. God forbid. God right. forbid. So now Gully's in the comments section, so I'm going to say, God forbid. Mm-hmm. Stu, where's your money on to win the, who, who to win the World Cup? Staying on the same continent, but I'm going with Brazil. I think they're, they're, just, they're just overloaded with quality everywhere. And... Defence may be the, the the weaker part of that, but still, you look at it and they've still got the best two of the best goalkeepers in the world, and one of them is going to be on the bench, and that's gonna, who you would you I mean? start? Who were you starting to for Brazilian goal? Who'd you go for? Uh, or Dan, who are you going for? I would. Hmm, I think Alice. I'd, I'd go with Edison keeper. personally. I'd go Edison. Yeah, yeah. It, there isn't, there's barely anything between them, yeah. is there? I mean, it, it pains me to say anything nice about Liverpool at all, obviously. Um, but I think shot stopping wise, Alisson is probably just a bit smidgen better. Um, Maybe. Edison's better with his feet, obviously. Um, so again, it, it depends which way they go. Um, but... Andrew Knight in the comment section, are you guys actually excited for the World Cup? I can't get up for it for myself. Obviously, Tom's uh, come dressed ready for the World Cup tonight, but where's your excitement level out of one on, on a 1 to 10 scale, Tom, for the World Cup? You know what? I always think this is exactly how my brain goes. I'm not that bothered. I'm not that bothered. I tell you what, as soon as that first whistle and the first pint of lager goes in for England, I'm going to be on it. So, 
I'm not that excited right now, and it's not like I'm counting down the days, but I think like anything, I said the exact same thing for the Euros. I wasn't that bothered. And then as we watched the games and we got further and further, my excitement increased and increased. So I'm going to say not that bothered, but once we're playing, once I see the opposition fans and the, you know, the diving and all the dramatics that come with it, that's going to wind me up. So I'll be, I'll be hammering now as soon as it kicks off. So I'm going to go with, at the moment, a six and a half, but come kick off... 10 out of 10. I was going to call Stuart a football punt with an N, but you don't need to call that people at, at the moment. So, what's, know, what's your excitement levels, Stu, for the World Cup 1 out of 10? Yeah, I think every time you call me that anymore, I'm going to have to report you to the police because I, I can't handle it anymore. Um, <laughs> I think, look, see, I've got my little pin badge from True Paid. I'm ready. I can't fucking wait now, man. I'm, I, yeah, human rights abuses, yeah, it's terrible, bad, bad, bad. Obviously, there's a thing died. <laughs> but I don't know. What can I do about it? I don't care. We, we can, how is it me watching the World Cup going to make any difference whatsoever? All the money's been paid for anyway. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Fine. Don't preach at me for watching the World Cup because I want to watch as many games as I possibly can. I did think a couple of weeks ago this might be the first one since 98 where I don't watch every single one because of a few awkward times. But I'm going to give it a damn good try. And... There's a nice little section there that then they're going to come down and put the wall chart up. We've got the flags ready. But the, the, obviously, the, the, there's a problem there of the Christmas decorations interfering with the plans. Um, but I've got, I've got an idea of it, how to get around that. But yeah, I'll, the way it's built up and then the squad's coming out today, I, uh, obviously, England will probably get knocked out at the. Um, <laughs> England will probably get knocked out at the quarterfinals, as is, uh, is, is our way, um, traditionally. Um, and Brazil are going to win it, but I think it's just—I think it's going to be great. I mean, obviously the stadiums are going to be empty. The place is—it's a stupid place to have it. We all know that anyway. But the football, the players that are not injured and the ones that are actually there and playing—they're actually in their prime rather than knackered at the end of the season for a change. So I think from a from an actual actual football point of view on the pitch, I think it's got the potential to be the best quality World Cup we've ever seen. How hot is it going to be out there? Is it going to be like drinks breaking? Yeah. Obviously affecting the play heat, is it? I think a bit 30, 32. So it's oh, no hotter than the like... devil's arsehole. Yeah, but you have got air conditioning in the stadium still. They're still it, they were still built with air conditioning in the stadiums, regardless of when they moved it to, to Christmas. So I don't think it's going to be as much of a problem. Like it was in Brazil, <laughs> like a decade ago. So it, I know it was there winter and whatever, but what they were saying today, like between thirty and thirty-five, we've had hotter World Cups than that. And with drinks breaks and air conditioning, it's only going to be the worst thing in the world. I think. Come on, England! Bring home a trophy. Wolves will take home the Carabao Cup and get relegated for Stu, and then England will get past the quarterfinals. We'll be happy, man. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, Neil Lewis in the comments section saying, hi guys, Portugal are going to win the World Cup. And as, as far as I know, Neil Lewis has got his head properly screwed on. Goal he can think of, otherwise in the comments section. Uh, everyone, thanks for joining us tonight on the Wolves Fancast Match Preview Review Show. Uh, we'll be back, uh, hopefully, on Sunday with uh, hopefully a podcast celebrating a big win over the dirty <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> Keep the five, Tom. Lopetegui is on his way after the World Cup. 
Saturday, 7.45, Arsenal at home. Thanks for joining us, everyone. As always, Wars Fancast at Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, this episode was brought to you by 90min.com and Pixel Yeti Media. Have a good evening. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Sunday. 